Ocean Drive with Jeffrey Erber. Hey, gearheads! Welcome to another episode of OCN Drives. I'm Jeff Herbert, and I'm with Graham Break and Alex Ball. We're here to talk cars with our car curious producer, Joshua Hammerling. How's it going today, Josh? Living the dream. Are you fantastic? <laughs> okay, I wasn't expecting Love that the response. One, but um, Jeff was shocked by that common answer. You know, it's such an original <laughs> answer that. Uh, well, anywho, shall we move on? Yes. Uh, okay. Uh, we're going to start with some automotive news. Um, one of the big headlines coming out this last week and into this week is the new Porsche Taycan. Um, I don't know if I'm saying it correctly, but... Um, I don't know why Porsche expects anyone to pronounce any of their car names correctly but, other than the 911. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> very German with their, their yeah, name. What does, it even, what does it stand for? Let's find out. Except for Carrera is actually Spanish. It is. Um, very interesting in their namings. Um, but it is going to formally debut on September 4th. Um, they've given some, uh, um, you know, like car and driver, they've given some automotive uh, news um, right. sites. Some, right. I, want, I want you to take a guess. What does Taycan stand for? <sighs> Don't yeah. look it up. I'm not. Taycan. It, My hands give are me, up. Give no. me the root of the word first. Um... Is it is it German? Please, please yeah, use it Turk, in a sentence. Turek is the origin. Turek Turek origin. Mm, mm. Taycan means speed demon. No, uh. Jeff, you got you got a guess on this? Um, I don't know. Is it a type of tea? No. Oh, okay. What is it? Lay it on us. Soul of a spirited young horse. Mm, guys. <laughs> I love that so it's much. The, du- <laughs> the douchiest thing I've ever heard today. It's, 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 a, it's, it's a young horse, too. It's so... It's so we're so much better than you, <laughs> hypercar. <laughs> Life decisions. <laughs> okay, let's get into it, though. It's, it's the first fully electric uh, vehicle, which they're saying now is doing from, zero. From Porsche. From Porsche. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Sorry. I, I was, no, no. I was trying. Yes, yeah. from Porsche. Uh, um, it's also got a zero to 60 time right now that they're saying is under three seconds. Um, I actually just watched a video that showed that it beat a um, a Tesla Model S. Um, and I don't know if that one was in, you know, whatever ludicrous mode or whatever. But one of the big things that they're, they're touting is that it's going to have approximately like 600 horsepower, um, but it's got a repeatable launch is what they're saying, is that, you know, with the Tesla... Um, when they say, when you go into ludicrous mode, and they've said this, that they're not responsible for the wear and tear on the batteries, they're not responsible for the wear and tear on the car, and the longevity of that car because you're using ludicrous mode. Um, One of the things that Porsche is saying is that you can repeat this over and over and over again and not wreck any of the batteries or any of the the car um, on it. So um, it also looks really... I like it, but it does have a problem. It has four doors. Is it a four door? It's is a four that, door. Is that what I'm seeing here? It's a four door. Ooh, are they going to call it a coupe, though? Oh, One of your grievances? It's, as far as I can tell, they're not calling it a coupe. They're so. not calling it a coupe. 
I mean, it's it's always going to look good. As, as long as Porsche keeps making cars that just look like the 911, it's always going to look good. It's just like, it's always just going to look like that. Like, mm-hmm. no one should be shocked that it looks like this. Let's, <laughs> just, let's just be honest. The Panamera, it's better looking than that. It doesn't have the long back end of the Panamera, but it still is four-door, and I don't think Porsche is four-door, but... We'll see. I mean, they've gotten... I mean, we've seen the body style. They have some stickers that cover up some things. It looks um, really long. It does look really long in I'm the back, I'm interested yes. to know. I just... The whole car looks really long. Like, it looks like a hearse is how long it is. Uh, I don't know how long. Is I it... I don't... I haven't seen any specs. I was on. just about to ask, is it front or rear engine? But it's electric. So yeah, it's, it's electric. It, <laughs> but neither. <laughs> but it has... It has... I think it has a, an electric engine up front and an electric engine Although in the back. Although I guess I would argue wherever the battery packs are placed, they're low would, on the they're low in the in the in the ground on the on the yeah, next to the like, floorboard. Yeah, just yeah, it would be interesting to see the weight distribution because yeah. I then I think it would be fair to argue for electric cars wherever the most weight is is it, you could equate that to. Well, I think they're doing one. Mid. Yeah, I think what they're doing what they did with the 918, which is like they're putting um, the engines both um, on the front wheels and on the back. So yeah, I think, the the actual drive engine. Right, but right. All the weight comes from the battery pack. Yeah, the battery so. packs. I think are going to be low to the ground. Yeah, well, and, that's where they always put them. Yeah, yeah. Just depending on where, like, if there's more weight on the back, then you could just call it a rear Which, wheel. And like, how's it going to drive? I mean, it's it's going to be all wheel drive. Okay, but. squirrel moment for a second. Um, Tesla. Um, I saw a video yesterday. Someplace, I think it was in Texas, um, got hit and blew up. Um, and one of the things is that there's concerns about safety for all fully electric vehicles. So I'm wondering what Porsche is going to say to it's that. It's crazy. It's almost like when you crash a, an engine that literally drives by explosions, mm-hmm. that it also too <laughs> blows up. The pro- I, people the- need to get over themselves about oh. it's it's when batteries are just in a parking lot and explode. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. Right. But when you crash your Tesla at 60 miles an hour and then it explodes, understood. That shouldn't be a problem. But the problem is that they're lithium-ion batteries, yeah, and they to... have cells, and the cells it's hard to put out yeah. because yeah, the fire departments aren't ready to put these out. Exactly. Yet. So yeah. it's going to be a, a little bit of a safety concern, I think. But I, I haven't seen anything about how they're kind of handling that. But again, that's a future thing to talk about yeah, fully electric that's cars like yeah. a, that's just a governmental issue that they're going to just have to start dealing with well, it's going to be because well they're just so widespread now that it's like the fire departments are going to have to be equipped for I, these lithium batteries right and, and i think also it's a consumer problem that they might have but i don't think porsche is going to have to deal with that anytime soon but I'm, i don't think it's necessarily the response it's not the nece- it's not porsche's responsibility now that the fire department's no, no, no. Can put out their motorized. I'm cars. not saying that it's up to them to help nope. with the. F- Ooh, someone pulled it. something. I kicked it. It's out. Zero mics. Get that away from me. That's good. All right, we're back on, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. They can still hear you. you okay, just hear you. Uh, it's just weird. It just like went click. Right, so then just start picking up again where you. Yeah. 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 Anyways, so I I don't I, what I'm trying to say it's not Porsche's job to make sure that they know, but what I'm trying to say is that I think this will. It's one of the tipping points. It's the safety of the cars, and I think with. Porsche starting with their take on, I think they'll slowly start to move these into plug their their hybrid for their SUVs and start doing hybrids or fully electric. What's their what's their SUV called? 
Rain fire. The cayenne. The cayenne. Yeah, they're going to make a cayenne model of a fully fully electric cayenne oh, model. I guarantee yeah, in the next three long, years. As long as this oh, with car sells well, which I I mean, Porsche is already putting numbers out about their potential cells. I think they already have the thirty thousand uh, uh, buy-ins, which is like for two grand. It's it's what Tesla did. You yeah, can, you can give Porsche two grand now, and they'll hold a car for you. Um, so I think they've already announced they have thirty thousand of those, which is pretty good because. I think they only sold like 35,000 911s. Yeah. I think what the stat they put next to. So that's just like from a business standpoint, like already kind of seems like a success. We'll see what the actual number is that they sell. Um, Cause these car brands always just make shit up anyways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's true. <laughs> Jeff, do you have anything you want to talk about? Oh, well, besides the fact, well, I mean, do we really need to talk about the styling? Or should I save it for grievances? I think I might save it for <laughs> grievances it for because this grievance? is absolutely repulsive. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I hate it. Like Really? Here's I, the thing okay. about electric cars, and here's one of the good things about them, is that because you don't have an engine, right, you can style things differently. You can be more eccentric. You can take design risks in certain ways that you can't with an internal combustion car. Sure, you have to uh, comply with safety standards and you know pedestrian safety, whatever, all that stuff. Um, but uh, with this Porsche, there's just no excuse. I mean, it just are you, are you just hoping that because of a future drivetrain, you wanted to have a future look? Because it's like, because it, again, it just looks like a 911. No, and, it doesn't. It, it looks like a Panamera that its face is melting off, kind <laughs> of. It's like it's like you left your Panamera by the campfire. I've never been a big fan of the Teslas and now this car that same don't have the front grill. Like I get that they don't need it because now you don't have to cool anything, but it's like but then you still build the car in a way that it could have a front grill. So now it's just like a big piece of plastic. It does have a protruding nose that I think is a little weird. I think I think it looks better than the Teslas. Um, it looks like in the, in the picture we're looking, the tires are spinning, so you can't really see what kind of rims. But that's always been my hatred of the Teslas. Tesla Scroll down, it has a picture of the rims. Yeah, and they have different real sets. Those are the 21-inch so, so ones. So those just look like nice rims. Yeah. That's the thing I hated about uh, the yeah. Teslas is they have the aerodynamic rims, Ugh. and they just look stupid. They look so stupid. Um, also, there's stickers. So the one that you're looking at, there's a sticker. So that headlight is not what it is. It look, it's supposed to make it look bigger because this is their way of using camouflage but there's a sticker on top and below oh, so that's okay. not oh, where, what the headlight looks also there's a sticker on the side here next to the port on the back uh yeah and then there's also a sticker on this back side over here um I, do you think it looks jeff back to your design issue do you think it looks better or worse than a panamera i mean i I think they both should never be parked up front in front of a fancy restaurant, <laughs> but that's just my take. And that's probably why I'll never be a valet driver because I'll be like, I'm sorry, sir or ma'am. Yeah. But this car's too ugly to have out uh, in front. Uh, I'm I don't going to have to put I, it in the back. I don't mind it. I do think it's a little long in the back, um, to be honest. But I mean, this is Porsche we're talking about. They're never going to change their, their aesthetic, really. I mean, the I'm 911 is the same car for the last, what? 50 years. Yeah, so. I'm surprised that they went for a four-door instead of a two-door as their first one. Like, I get the four-door is definitely going to mm. compete more with the Teslas, because I don't think Tesla has a two-door, do they? No. Yeah, so they're obviously going... Well, not besides the Roadster, which... It doesn't count. Pending. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
so obviously this is just going straight after Tesla sales. Yeah. But it's like it seems like a little bit of a miss. I think that I think I think they'll world. see that and they'll probably get it. Like they'll probably do a two door. Two door rear wheel drive electric would be sweet. Oh yeah. It'd be chaos. Mm. Which would be it's like so it's like making it all wheel drive, making it four door, making it so long. It's like it's a saloon car, not a sports car. This is a car right. that you drive the kids to school, which is fine. Um, yeah, but for Porsche, that usually—I mean, certainly Porsche does have these saloon cars and the SUVs, so they're not totally sport. But it's like feels like as a first model choice, I think it's a little bit of a miss not mm, going yeah. two door, and even two door four wheel drive would be sweet. All right, let's let's finish this segment. Uh, oh, I, I do want oh, I do want to put something on the record. I know I've been critical of this Porsche's design, but I do want to say I do think the Carrera GT is fantastic looking. <laughs> I do appreciate the 911, yeah. and the Cayenne is tolerable. That one I would be okay with <laughs> as long as from it's my the turbo. Uh-huh. Yeah, as long as it's a GTS turbo. As long as it's the $200,000 version, I'm but good. just wanted to make that known. Okay, good. Um, all right, so that's kind of where I was going. To finish up the segment, do we like – what would you rate this – Right now, your anticipation zero to ten, Jeff. Uh, I I don't know. I give it I give it a five on the excitement scale for me, just because. I mean, you I, I, I don't get know. Excited it's excited so much for a car that you can't afford. So exactly, <laughs> but <laughs> if we do drive one, true, which we might because we're already talking to Mercedes about getting some cars. Woohoo! You can read about it on ourcommunitynow.com. I'll put some words together, especially for you, Grant. Thank you. Especially for you. That. All right, Alex, what do you, what, zero to 10, your excitement? I think I'm about a five as well. Just like, it's like, I don't love how it looks. It's so long, and I don't like that it's four door. Um, I think it's great that other people are challenging Tesla because that's always been one of my hatreds is car companies getting away with their own special car that no one else challenges. Like, like the Wrangler, like the Raptor. It's like I love when other companies are like, well, that sells really well. We're going to crush you. I think <laughs> Tesla has a big problem because Tesla is such a baby company, and they just don't know what they're doing mm-hmm. most of the time. And it's like, boy, what are they going to do when Ford makes an all-electric car who's been building cars for 200 years? Right. It's just like they don't have to figure out anything because like almost everything that Tesla gets in trouble for is something that the other companies just had to figure out 80 years ago. Yeah. And so, but, but because there's so much news media now, it looks like Tesla is just like stupid, but yeah. it's like, no, nope, they're just a new car company that hasn't happened in a hundred years in America. Yeah. Like, there's a little bit of scale of economy there too. Yeah. Um, but so, yes. so I think, I think once the other car companies start pumping out, like, well, I can't imagine the F-150 electric is going to do that well because that's just a weird market. But Really? I'd, I'd, I'm more excited about the electric F-150 more, than I am the I'm more Taycan. excited about that. It's just like, who's going to buy it? Because no one in Texas is going to buy an electric F-150. And that's where 90% of F-150 sales are. <laughs> so I don't know what the market is for the electric mm-hmm. F-150, but... Uh, we I'll shall give, see. What about you, Graham? I'll give my, my rating. I think I'm, I'm between a... I'm like a... Six and a half or seven. All right, so we're all pretty lukewarm on this yeah, one. I, I think I, I'm excited about it. I think what you said about the design, yeah, I don't like that it's a four door. I would would love to see you know them try and do this with the body style of a 911 and make it fully. I think that would have been killer. Um, I'm excited about the numbers. I'm excited about it challenging Tesla, mm-hmm. and I'm excited that they're taking some of their stuff that they learned 
in the e-racing formula e and also in from just shaking his head because loves the Formula E. Um, but also I was uh, talking about um, taking their stuff from the 918 and actually using some of that stuff um, in their everyday cars. I'm excited about that stuff, new stuff. All right, moving on to the next segment. Um, I think it's going to just start with – it kind of starts with the news about uh, a producer we really haven't talked about, Lincoln, which – I'm only thinking about three cars from Lincoln and one other thing. All right, put your pants back on, Alex. (laughs) Uh, Matthew McConaughey. Um, But one of the things that came out this week is the Lincoln Aviator. They're talking about the new plug-in hybrid, and they're talking about the numbers. They increased the numbers. Um, It's going to have 494 horsepower and 630 foot-pounds of torque. Um, That's not just the only model that they're coming out with. They also have a 3-liter V6 um coming out and uh, i think yeah and i think there's only two base that they have so their base engine and then their plug-in hybrid which uh they're trying to lincoln's uh aviators that mid-size that's going to be trying to compete with you know the bmw x7 uh the cadillac uh xt6 and the mercedes-benz gls uh, what do we think about midsize SUVs, and what do we think about Lincoln and American-made car companies trying to go after these? I like European. I like Lincoln, but not because they're Ford, which is weird because I love <laughs> Ford. Uh-huh. But I, I actually think Lincoln does it better than Ford in most cases because really this uh, this is just a nicer what is it like Explorer or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and I don't really like the Explorer. But they just do so, – Lincoln, I feel like, just does so much more than just taking a base Ford and making a nicer that I really do like Lincoln. I think it's cool. I mean, it's just like kind of the boring luxury market. Um, it's always been kind of fun that Ford puts the Raptor engine um, in these, the Lincolns. is like that's been kind of the, their niche for the past like five or ten years is that these big Lincoln SUVs are getting that V6 twin turbo from the Raptor which is cool because Ford doesn't do it in any of their other cars other than the Raptor. So that's where these big numbers come from. It's like, it's just the Raptor engine, but yeah. Well, uh, let me say this after looking at the 2020 aviator here, the grand touring plugin, I would take this over a Cayenne GTS Mm. simply for two reasons, two reasons. Number one, I love Lincoln's new design language. I think it's fantastic. Uh, I think it's refreshing. Uh, especially from an American luxury brand. And number two, this thing's a sleeper. Yeah. Like it's 494 it's, horsepower and 630 foot pounds of torque. That's a lot that's of a, torque. That's a monster. For less than 70. Yeah. 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 That's insane. Because that's the best part about Ford and Lincoln in general. Is, okay. Well, 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 here we go. Is they're affordable. <laughs> you can own oh one of these. God. Well, I think Lincoln does, but they're always clean and crisp and like good, clean lines. That's what I love about Lincoln. Very clean lines, very crisp, and not cheap plastic like Fords have on them sometimes. It's true. They do spruce them up a little bit (laughs) on the inside. But yeah, I I mean, I was just looking at some of the photos like, it looks good. I I always think, you know, the midsize SUVs always have a weird, they have that arching back that I always have a little bit. This one does it really well. Um, I'm always like this midsize range. I, 
I always am just like, it's kind of in the middle there. I'd rather go with either a small SUV or if you have a family, you're going to go with a large SUV with the, the third seats in the back. I think the Aviator might have Well, this that is option. a three-row SUV. Okay, uh-huh. so it does have that So it option. kind of straddles that line a little bit. Yeah, I'm just, yeah. So going into that, what is our favorite midsize SUV? What would be your guys' favorite midsize SUV? Oh, that is oh. a good question because I don't I know think instantly. about midsize SUV. That's the point is that we don't normally think about them. But yeah. what would be like? What would be your get? So, I'm gonna go with the Range Rover SVR with the supercharged five liter V8 for a couple reasons. Okay. Okay. Number one, um, I also like the way it looks. I kind of like that uh, the boxiness <laughs> of it. Um, which is kind of reminiscent of some of the older stuff that they've done. So I appreciate that. Number two, um, nice big V8 supercharged. Mm -hmm. So you have good performance. And number three, um, if any, uh, off-road capability that's left. That is one thing I will say about the Range Rovers. Despite their horrendous fuel economy and their tendency to break, they are one of those brands that uh, does commit to, I guess, Creating a capable vehicle, and I appreciate that. Um, mainly, maybe I'm a weird buyer because I do like to go mm-hmm. explore some of the 4 by 4 trails uh, here west of Denver. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, I think that would be, that would be my, my own personal choice. Would I recommend it to somebody? Most likely not. I might recommend they get, um, you know, something like this Aviator just because it... Yeah. Uh, the Range Rover Sport, though, is that a midsize? Are we... Is that classified mid-size? We classify that. Because that's always where I'm like, I'm always like with Range Rover, I think they're Evoke and they're whatever the one that David Beckham's wife designed. What's her name? Posh, uh, Posh Spice? Posh Spice? Yeah. Is he married to one of the I don't know. Yeah, Hold you on. didn't know that? No, Hold know. on, let me text him and ask him. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm texting him right now. Awesome. All right, well, I'll just say what my Which, favorite is. Yeah, say what your favorite is. And Sorry, Jeff. It's probably just the I Wrangler. Agree. I think it's just the Wrangler for me. Just the two-door Wrangler. I think it's just the coolest midsize out there. It's the mm. only... A two-door Wrangler is Mid- not a midsize. It's a compact. Yeah. It's, also... You, can the four-door But the four-door... Uh, the four-door's cool. I don't classify uh, Jeeps as... Doors come off. No, roof no, no. comes off. Wrangler's not a... I don't classify it as... It's one of those things that you just were talking about earlier with the. It just the doesn't have a comparison. No, it just doesn't have a comparison. It's its own thing. Yeah, I mean, well, sure, you can get to be it. The other dealerships who make yeah. midsize SUVs, okay, whose fair. doors don't come off and roof don't come but, off. But okay, how, how's this? front and rear lockers. Jeep, Jeep <laughs> has, but Jeep has always gone with the Grand Cherokee and trying do, to do a lot of things that, with that. That might be my Ooh, real a track answer. Hawk. The track oh. hawk. The Trackhawk is my real answer. Uh, how do I overlook the Trackhawk? Because <laughs> it is the greatest midsize SUV. Yeah, that for at like, least, yeah. what's the price on that? What's, uh, it's got to be a hundred plus, right? I, I mean, Jeff's is hundred plus. I think so it's. I think we're it's, good with that. I think it's base eighty. Base eighty. Yeah. So it's you know, on the edge of being completely un- unaffordable. Mm. <laughs> but for a hundred thousand dollars, there's a very few cars that you could choose over that, especially because that's a car you can drive year round. You can't, can't drive right. most other hundred thousand car, dollar cars year round. That's very true. Or I bet I could come up <laughs> with a few yeah. for you. Um, uh, mine would be, uh, and this is, ooh, it's going to be controversial, but mine is the Mercedes, the new 2020 Mercedes GLS AMG. Design okay. wise, it looks like a freaking marshmallow. But it looks like a marshmallow. Yeah, it is. I love it. So 
that's mine. Yeah. In- inspired by the Michelin Man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, all right. Let's go to, to the next segment. Uh, oh, so this is kind of, you know, taking on the news. Uh, Nissan's put out that they're adamant about their small car production. Um, kind of want to talk about this. Every other manufacturer is kind of moving away from small cars, um, unless they're sport cars and sporty little things. But um, they're moving away from cars and going in. We're going into small SUVs and or large size SUVs. You know, with Ford and Chevy moving away from car production, quote unquote car production. Um, what do we think about Nissan's double down on, on the on the cars on the sedans? Ding ding ding. Yes, you, Jeff. Thank you, Mr. Briggs. I don't know. I think it's uh, I think it's a smart move. I think it's a smart business move. As a car guy, I appreciate small cars. Um, they're fun to drive. They're efficient. And it seems like while everybody's going right, you know, some companies are deciding to go left, and that's gonna that's that's good for them because if there's less competition for small cars, well then, mm-hmm. yeah, who's gonna you know, you don't have any options when it comes to small. So you're going to have to choose from these small cars. And then as, as far as just kind of like from a global perspective, as co- fuel economy standards change, stuff like that, I think some, you know, talking to you, Ford, um, if you kind of eliminate some of the more efficient vehicles in your fleet, well, then you're going to have to backtrack and, you know, kind of ramp up production on small cars and market them again and reintroduce them and the whole shebang. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if we were to like, you know, um, some of these companies introducing small, efficient cars or even electric vehicles, um, it brings down their average, uh, fleet fuel economy yep. or it improves it so much that as a produce, I, I, production I, company. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it, I think it gives them, um, a little bit of room to play on the other end. Yeah. Uh, especially in Europe. But this is a, this is specifically, I think Nissan's only specifically saying U.S., and that's why it's a kind of a big thing. I, I think they're always, Europe is always going to be, love small cars. I mean, Fiat is huge over there. They should continue to go after them. This is, you know, the, the U.S. market, though, is the, the, the one that I'm kind of, I agree with you. It, it, the U.S. market is the one that I'm a little interested about. They're doubling down on the U.S. market and continuing to produce smaller cars. But Fiat has tried to come in. It sucked. Mini's tried to come in. They've lost a lot of – they lost a huge amount of ground share the last four, five years. Um, so it's just – it's interesting that they're doubling down on that. And I don't know if the U.S. market is – it's not trending that way at all right now. It's trending way away from that. But with this revitalization of people moving to cities, is this going to become – a, another attraction thing can they start producing these smaller cars and get people in cities to buy the cars um because right now ride shares and all those other things has kind of taken away the smaller car market because cities now you just use ride share or use like a one of those little smart car things or i think there's like a blue car or something like that where you just like sweet motorized scooters yes and sweet yeah motorized <laughs> scooters too um, so it's just interesting that they're kind of doubling down on that. I, I, I understand and I agree with what you said, Jeff, about, you know, as a producer, they have to have, you know, an average fuel economy, blah, 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 so they don't get taxed. So I think it allows them to play on the other side. I'm just wondering, is this just them producing cars for, uh, you know, um, for 
rental places like Alamo or, you know. No, I don't yeah, think I so. Think it's, it's so hard to say because at, like, base value, if you look at the American market's decisions of building big SUVs and big trucks, most of the world just, you know, collectively side together and we're just mm-hmm. like, you're going to go out of business. Mm-hmm. Like, you look at Ford and what they're doing, and it's just like, how are you guys going to stay in business with these big cars in, like, five or ten years? Because it's like, gas is good now, which is why they can get away with it, but it's like, gas is not going to be a thing. But yeah. but that's also the other side of the argument, is does Ford need to care? Can Ford just keep building? Can other car companies keep building these things? Because it's not going to be there. We're getting to a point in society where gas is never going to be crazily high again. Cause it's just electrics just going to take over. So mm-hmm. it's like, if anything, gas might even be go just forever be going down mm-hmm. because electric is going to go so up. So it's like, you know, Ford could just totally bet on, let's just keep building these big cars cause people like them and right. we'll just start electrifying them. Um, and it won't have to make us roll back. Uh, but that's just like, I mean, it's always just a shot in the dark. And, yeah. you know, two years from now, you know, Saudi Arabia could go into a war and all of a sudden gas prices are insane. And and I'm going to tell you now, Ford is not ready for it in two years. <laughs> right. So it's just like, it's definitely a massive gamble, I think, for the entire American car market mm-hmm. to um, get rid of cars. Yeah. But I think... It's almost a bet worth taking just because of how big EVs are coming. Um, but I think it's a really fine line. Yeah. And one of the other things that, they, that they're speaking about is in the research, and I don't know where they're getting this research, but I'm reading this from Automotive News, is their execs are saying that these smaller uh, cars are relevant for price-conscious first-time car buyers. Um I've seen other stats on new uh, on first-time car buyers that you know, especially the younger generation, us millennials. Oh Jesus, us millennials aren't buying cars because we live in cities and we we don't want to. You know, there's some people that are um, taking a lot longer to get even a driver's license. You know, until they're 18 right. to get their driver's license. Where as soon as I turned 15 and a half, I was trying to get my yeah, I was trying to get my uh, my driver's license. Um, but uh, 86% of buyers between the ages of 18 and 34 who don't own a sedan don't own a sedan will consider buying one soon is what they're saying in their research. And I've just seen totally the opposite of that, that they're not going to – they might be considering it, but they're not going to buy one anytime soon. But that's just with all these other competitions, ride shares, and everything else. Very right. interesting. Well, it'll be it'll be interesting to see if we see a repeat of the – 70s when there was an oil crisis and if we go back to small cars or not but anyway what do you guys think about uh talking about a little bit of automotive history i love history yeah so this is a pretty uh history rich month as it turns out august 13th 1902 felix wankel is born in lar germany I don't know who that is you don't know who that is graham do you know who that is he did something with a rotary engine yes he is the father of the Wankel engine, also mm-hmm. known as the rotary engine. Which Mazda uses only, right? Is it only Mazda that uses it? Uh, well, right now, I don't know if anyone uses it. But yes, in recent history, Mazda did use it in the RX-8 and yes. the RX-7s. Um, so it's, it's kind of interesting. I know they've been also p- toying with the idea of using it as a range extender in some you know, hybrid applications, which is interesting um, because they do... 
they do create a lot of power for very little displacement. Yeah, and that's that's the big thing is that they can be small, really small, but you can get a lot of power out of them. Yeah, so pretty cool stuff. We'll see what, what comes in the way of that. August 18th, 1905, Newell S. Wright, an attorney, filed to register the Cadillac Crest as a trademark, which you guys have probably seen. Yeah, and but everyone's But that seen. is cool because that is a symbol um, that's been around for over 100 years. Yeah. The Cadillac Crest has? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So yeah. it's kind of interesting. I don't to really see. like Cadillac other than, oh. Ooh. other than the CTSV, but I was gonna say. I mean they're they're an up and down, but I there's some Cadillacs that I just You would be a love. crazy person to pick a Cadillac in most cases over a Lincoln, I think, at this point. And I think that's what is happening right now is something like the navigator is just destroying Cadillac, like single handedly. No one's buying Escalades. Yeah, the rap game kind of <laughs> left the Escalade market. <laughs> rap, the, rap, the rap game and, and NBA and NFL football yeah. players that oh, need big cars. True. But it, that's, it's been a huge thing since the rebrand or the, the restyling of the Navigator. Mm-hmm. The Navigator has just destroyed the the, the X. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah so and that's why that, that, yeah, the Aviator, too. Yeah. That, so that, that, that's that why, I mean, and again, I like Lincoln. It's not because they're Ford. I think they're different enough from Ford. Um that it's totally okay to hate Ford and like Lincoln or hate Lincoln and like Ford. Mm-hmm. Um, cause they're, they or don't just like Matthew same. McConaughey going, I like driving my Lincoln. <laughs> Those commercials. I love it though. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't hate that at all. I love it. I all think right. Oh man. Good. And the Jim Carrey. Oh yeah. The Jim Carrey. Oh my God. That'll torture you guys. I'm just going to roll this booger around in my fingertips. <laughs> <laughs> okay guys. August 18th, 1937. Does anyone have an idea of what happened then? Uh, well, it's written down in front of us, yeah, so... Yeah, um, say something about, <laughs> about the Toyota Company. Okay, great. Well, Graham, Sorry. I'm glad you can read. <laughs> How would we possibly I thought you would have had the decency... <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. No, I have no idea. Brain. Please, please inform me. I'm curious. How would I'm we curious. possibly ever guess... I'm curious. <laughs> what happened on a specific date? Hey, guys. 1937. My eyes are over here. <laughs> Well, for all you listeners, the Toyota Motor Company, LTD, began as a division of the Toyota Automatic Loom Works. So, essentially, the Toyota Motor Company was founded. Yay. I think that is a yay. I think Toyota, I think in recent years. <laughs> Whoa. I think in recent years. I think in recent years. Toyota has been very stagnant. They're just like, what we okay, got going fair, fair. is good for us. And I think that's a, ch- I think Toyota's going to struggle unless they like. This coming from a Ford lover, this company basically destroyed the American true car market. Yeah. Now they still props, are. props the to them. T- props to them. The, but. the Tacoma's still taking a big old dump on the rest of the mid-sized truck market. And it's, the truck hasn't changed in 60 years. <sighs> Which is just like, again, it's Toyota's in a weird thing where it's like all of our cars in our lineup are essentially perfect at what they are, which is that they're incredibly reliable and, you know, are super boring. It's like other than I think like the nicest Tacoma and Forerunner, like off-road versions, the TDR Pros. Right. They're all super boring. Mm-hmm. Like it is just like but they are the white bread of car companies. That's that's what we're talking about right yeah. now. I think the car market is changing. I feel like we're a little bit ahead of the car market, but we just talked about three cars in the opening news stuff, 
And we were only talking, like, sure, we talked a little bit about performance and all that stuff, and we're excited about that. But the main thing that brought us our excitement down is, or up, was the design. Literally, I mean, the the Porsche, we were talking about, you know, the design is the what's really bringing our excitement level down for it. And we talked about Lincoln's midsize and their large SUV, why they're killing the market and killing other places. It's because of the design. I think design... And features are going to become the biggest thing. Like, which is which a little bit yeah. disappointing because they're. I think some people are going to be a little. Uh, car companies are going to go away from like performance and other things, but they're going to go more to like features and like heads-up displays and all this other camera stuff and like lane departure, all those things. But design is also going to be up there. So. I really yeah, hope this is, takes Toyota. I mean, and, <sighs> I mean that's I mean, but and, and you can already see Toyota trying to adjust to that with them finally caving this year on Android Auto and yes. Apple CarPlay. Yes, they, <laughs> they caved on that. They were like, our system's fine, even though it was a piece of shit. Everyone yes. hated it. So 2020 is the first year that they're doing Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. They're putting that in the Tacoma. They're putting it in the Forerunner, and I think there's a couple other cars that are getting it. Um, the Tacoma's finally getting power seats for for the first time. Power seats, which are is we, which this is, is a 2019, yeah. which is just Welcome embarrassing. To the 21st century. Yeah, so it's so you can see Toyota's a little stuck in the past because it. I mean, it just worked, and people still buy their cars, and those cars run for a billion miles. Like I, I, we talked about this a week or two ago. There's now two Tacomas in America that have gone over a million miles, mm. which is insane. Um, Cadillac used to like praise their owners for going over a certain mile and you get yeah. badges and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. So it's so there is a reason Toyota's still around and they're still successful. I just think they're gonna have a hard time with that old strategy in the, you know twenty twenties and above. Yeah. So it's like either Toyota's gonna have to come out swinging, which they kinda tried. Uh the Supra, they brought the Supra back. I think it's been a consensus that it was a miss. It's a miss because it's a partner with BMW and it's just one, a BMW. One, because it's just a BMW. <laughs> yeah. Uh, two, because they didn't put a stick in it. Hold on. Is- I got news about that. There's a Texas company, and I, forgive me, I do not know the name, but they are they have built. Yeah, they're stick swapping. And Ooh. you have to put down something like 10,000 Gs or 10 Gs, and I think you can get it. They're starting yeah, to that. do it. It doesn't count. It's because it's ten thousand dollars instead of well, what Toyota what, could have offered, which would have been well, Toyota's typically gonna, would have been cheaper to get the stick. That's what what I'm trying to say yeah. is that Toyota's model is like, oh, we'll put this out, and then you can go to all these other manufacturers, and you have to, so you'll spend fifty, you know, forty five to fifty on the Supra, and then you'll spend, you know, on body kits and other things, and maybe you know, exhaust and boosting. Um, you know, the engine with either turbo or supercharger and then getting a manual in there, you're going to spend close to, you know, 25 to 50. So then you're going to be, it's going to be a hundred thousand dollar car by that time to actually make it good. Might as well just buy a manual boxster at this point. Or honestly, you might as well just buy the BMW Z4, which comes with a stick. that has 50 more horsepower. Yes. True. (laughs) Which is my favorite part. Yes. But yeah, I think the Supra, uh, I think I like how it looks in general, but it's just like, what are you doing, Toyota? That's like, I don't think they know what they're doing. How did you not put a stick in this car? Like that that is insane to me. Because they let BMW help them with the car and BMW <laughs> said, No, we're keeping the best stuff for us. <laughs> we're, keeping, we're keeping the older. We technology. get the enthusiasts, not yeah, you. Yeah. Uh, okay, so. so before we move on to the next segment, I have to this should be in my grievances, but I need to get it out right now because it's on Okay, top of my Graham. Head. 
the new Top Gear from uh, BBC, not America, but the Top Gear in in England. Um, they have two new hosts. Um, one of the hosts did a segment on the Toyota Supra and said he loved it. Well, Chris Harris said, you know, took it around the track and said, you should just get the BMW. This is a BMW. It's got everything BMW. It's not Toyota. That's Toyota's problem. Wait, it's wait, not Toyota. I bet the Toyota comes with turn signals. That's the difference. <laughs> Does the BMW not come with turn uh, signals? You, did you see his? He sent us a message yesterday uh, with a a, um, a nice funny meme with a oh, BMW it, driver, yeah. and then it's got a turn signal. I've never seen this before. Yeah. This funny little green light just came yeah. onto my BMW head. Is this something I should be worried about. Don't know about turn signals yeah. is the key. That's the real yeah, joke. Yeah, I, I think the Supra is such a mess, and I think it's a shame that they use the name and then just rebranded a bmw i think it's just it's so lazy and yep. it's like it's such a it's a car with such a rich history of people just loving it like if you like cars you probably like the original supra mm-hmm. and it's like this is not an homage to right. the original supra this is toyota cashing in on their own brand which okay. they're allowed to do but it's just shitty <laughs> but i will say though with toyota i mean well lexus more specifically um they've they've been producing some impressive uh cars as of late that that drive really well they're really refined um they're soothing to enthusiasts and maybe perhaps we'll see lfa some of that. lfa well, the lfa what, of what course else? you want but a what lexus, a lexus the lc 500 <laughs> i haven't really seen that anyways i mean it looks awful yeah. in my opinion yeah well I, don't, I have no clue what lexus is doing as far as design goes well they're doing all those f's and c series and k and whatever I don't know how they do. They have their F series, just like uh, BMWs, their M stuff now. Anyways, we could talk on and on. I think that might be a good uh, grievance and talk about a uh, discussion for another show. Yeah. We could do a whole show on <laughs> how I hate Toyota, but we can. Let's uh, we'll defend. Toyota. I want to. I want to kind of move into now. Probably going to be my favorite conversation that we've got so far. Jeff, do you want to do want to do an ad read? Oh yeah, sorry. Nah, we don't need any ads. No? All right. Sure. Yeah. You want to practice? Just, just this is going to get cut out. Just give we'll it to We'll make sure them. that Josh cuts this little piece. We out. can also just insert ads after. Okay, yeah. yeah. yeah if after. I want to, if you guys want me to do an ad read, I can just say, "This podcast is brought to you by ourcommunitynow.com, where you can find more of our thoughts on cars, culture, and what's hot in the community." Now, let's jump into it. Ooh, I love that. That was perfect. Um, so I want to start this with. There's a lot of. Well, over the past couple of years, this new idea of a hypercar. So we got supercars, and now we have another range extender here and calling hypercars. There's some really cool ones coming out. We got the Pinfarina Batista. You got the Audi RS e-tron. Obviously, Ferrari's SF90 Stradale. Molto bene. And, uh, you know, Bello. Austin Martin's Valkyrie. Those are new ones coming out. What is – what's getting your guys's – hypercar fix going for the new models coming out absolutely nothing oh who cares about hypercars it's 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 the best it's what you want to try and reach for russian mobsters it's not the cars you want to try rappers rappers, instagram influencers come on it's it has nothing to do with what can be reached for and not reached for because these cars are completely unattainable because they're gonna make 500 of them and if you're ferrari you'll say you make 500 but made 650 yes um and they're not going to sell them to anyone they're just going to give them to people who they like so it's like it has nothing to do 
us three, no matter how rich we ever get, are never going to own one of these. So cars. can I ask you? Can I ask? <laughs> so you it's something? just like it's just like a wall poster. And it's yes, like, exactly. Did you, as growing up, did you have posters on your wall of of cars that you loved? I didn't, but I've always had them in my mind. Oh, so. without a doubt. Okay, yes. your your top posters. I had a Countach. Yes, love it. I had a Ferrari F40, and I had a McLaren F1. Mm. All right. Okay. Some of those are attainable. Some of them are not. Well, back in the 90s, matter. they weren't they attainable. They exist for art's sake. True. Exactly. And I would go, first of all, I want to say which ones were on mine. I had the Diablo. Excellent. Um, I had the the F40. Mm. Molto bene. And I had a uh, Lamborghini Miura. Oh, so a classic car, nice. a Lamborghini Miura, and then I also had, um, uh, I had a a, a Lotus. Uh, was it the? I can't remember if it was the, the Spreet. The Spreet, or if it was. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it was. <laughs> I think it was the Spreet that I had, but it had a girl on it, so you know that that's why that was on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I'm trying to get at. Is obviously you guys, you have. Uh, you have things that are just unattainable, but you still want to look at them. The, the only thing that makes me them. excited about more car companies getting into the hypercar is that it usually means they have to really push the technology that they have. And hopefully yes. some of that trickles down. Um, really, none of it has trickled down that much from the original three hypercars. Uh, um, the ni- we just talked coming, about it's one. Come, and it's finally, but when did yes. the 918 come out? Like, okay. Uh, also, 10 years ago? True. No, the 918 came I'm out. I'm pretty sure that Ferrari SF90 is faster around the track at Fiorano than in La Ferrari. Yeah, it is. It's faster. I would hope that Ferrari's new supercar beats Ferrari, or hypercar beats Ferrari's last uh, Well, and that's, and I put it in there, but there's there's questions. Is, is the SF90 a hypercar or is it a supercar because technically it actually has less horsepower than <clears throat> excuse me than the la ferrari what or maybe we, it has like 30 more what horsepower would we but consider the bugattis are they just hyper are they they're, are the, they the original they're hypercar? the original hypercar yeah they just are a hypercar <sighs> are, they, are they still in their own class because it's like you look at no. all these cars no and you're like wow these are fast you look at the original you know the 918 the ferrari yeah the uh, the McLaren, and it's like these cars are sweet, except they're still shittier than the Bugatti. <laughs> so it's just like they're yeah, different because they're electric. And be, be interesting to see if the next Bugatti is electric because they've, they've been talking it about it. Be. it sh- been talking it should about be, it. but like still, just the I don't I, see this. The, might... the, the Bugatti Siron is just better than those three no. cars. Oh, oh, fake, totally news. fake news, fake news. Totally okay. A Bugatti has. A few purposes, and it that's goes it. Real fast. Okay, it goes really fast in a straight line, and you want to tell the world you hate poor people. Those are <laughs> the two reasons you buy a Bugatti. Oh, and these hyper cars that are all over a million—they're—they're they're, these other three cars are the same price or more expensive than the Bugatti. Yes, yeah, but these right cars can the go around the track. Which actually is a hurtful thing. It's, it hurts me to say that the Bugatti is like the better buy. No, no. What? These totally cars is. go around a track. Yeah, See, that's, that's the difference. The Bugatti goes around the no. track. The Bugatti, the Bugatti went around Top Gear's track the fastest like every time. Okay, no, that's false. Like it pretty much was at the top for almost every time. It was always first place the first time they ran it and then eventually Still, it got beat. Okay. 
Still, my favorite though is the 918. Although spider. the interiors are beautiful. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're, just, they're nice cars. They're stupid. I mean, it's just a ludicrous car. <laughs> it's my favorite original hypercar, and I think what a hypercar is. I also like the McLaren, um, but I'm I'm big on. The yeah, I'm not a. I'm not a. Th- I, I like those two. I'm not a huge fan of the Ferrari. Yeah. Not a huge fan of the the oh the La Ferrari La Ferrari the Ferrari yeah. the Ferrari yeah. yeah me neither the most Italian it. thing ever yeah but uh, I'm 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 not excited about hypercars did you look at I'm the exci- links that I'm, I sent you yeah I'm excited about how about I'm, that Batista though I'm I'm excited about oh, if anything I just like the Valkyrie but I like the name of that <sighs> I like Aston Martins I would love to own an Aston Martin I think I think it's totally possible in my lifetime to own an Aston Martin You should love it it's got especially, a Cosworth espe- engine yeah, in it Yeah especially Oh yes yeah. A I, new V12 Cosworth yeah, engine Yeah so I you know I am excited. Yeah. I like I like seeing new technologies. I'm sure these cars are going to be bonkers, and hopefully, there's little things in them that can be transitioned down. Not everything, but that's the reason every single car has a flappy paddle gearbox now, is because Ferrari started doing yeah. it, and then Porsche started doing it. And once that technology got cheap enough, I mean, because really all of that came from F1, so it's it's even more exciting that there we're going to get new technology from consumer based products rather than F1. Stuff because it's like, you know, some F one stuff is cool. The 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 gearbox, the flappy paddle gearboxes mm. are great. Mm. They're a thousand times better than manual boxes, but they're like well, two, they're two paddles. Oh, like, some well, of the stuff that F one yeah. has is just, no. I it's mean, they're kinda... better. I mean, it's just they're more fuel efficient. Yeah, they don't let millionaires break their thirty thousand dollar transmissions, which is like really what they're there for. Some of the F one stuff, you you really can't. I mean. It's it's hard, like just like I, I would like to point out that CVTs are an F one inspired uh, thing. I know you two hate CVTs, but they they're actually they were so good that they were banned from F one. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah. So I mean, uh, let's. I mean, my favorite is the nine eighteen. My favorite new one is probably the Batista or the Valkyrie. I agree. Or the Valkyrie. Yes, uh, I like both of them. They both have they're crazy, like Jeff was saying about the Porsche Taycan. They're crazy designs, but they still have a they have electric uh, support, um, but they still have engines and they still sound beautiful. Um, but right, let's move on. To the grievances. Yes. Even though we've been... We only have a few minutes left for grievances. Graham, we can come back to hypercars in another episode because I know you want to... Yeah, we'll always be willing to talk about hypercars. And I know you want to profess your love for Porsche. Yeah. So we'll we'll give you... Every single time. But even if it's every single time. I mean, I'm only... We accept you, Graham. This is... I'm only half masked right now, but... (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for sharing. (laughs) My my engine's only revved up to 5,000 Okay. Okay. Grievances. Grievances? Grievances. Oh, I'll start. Uh, Go for it. This G. is uh, this is kind of like what we we're talking about the Supra partnering with BMW. Well, this is Jaguar's new conversation. Is they're gonna partner with BMW on their SUV <laughs> bottom line? Why would you you have Range Rover, one of the best producers of an SUV? Why would you move and say, oh, we want to partner with BMW? Also, the only thing that has made Jaguar interesting. To today's date is that it's their cars and mm. they're kind of wonky and yeah they're british and they're they have a little really british and it's yes. like and all of a sudden being like hey we're gonna partner with bmw for their suvs because we're lazy <laughs> but they're just, exhaust disappointing they're exhaust and the sounds of, of yeah. jaguars oh, oh my, my god i love my boston new in new hampshire had an f-type and it was oh. 
so sick. Oh. <laughs> and it's and it's Jaguars are sweet, except that he worked on it every single day to make sure he could drive it every single yeah, day. Yeah, at this point I'd rather have like a, buy a car that's like remodeled yeah. after so a traditional I mean, Jaguar it's, than... it's it's a good business move and that the car's gonna be fine and it'll work, but it's it's a BMW. It's boring and it's just like yeah, exactly. BMW hasn't done anything exciting in like 100 years Boy, could, i'm including no. the i8 because oh, that car is just gosh. except for the m5 and the m5's great but everything looks also in the, the m, 90s the, the m3 the, the come m, on the m5 yes. the m5 is just bmw's 911 it's just like every other bmw just looks like an m5 like it's just like great we nailed it on this one mm. now for the next 100 years we're gonna make all of our cars look like this it's just so boring yeah they're, they're model line they need to move on um, redesign. And then they made the i8, which looks like a space car. And you're like, that's cool. And then they did nothing with it. And it's just like a car for rappers. Plus it's and, slow. Yeah. It's yeah. Just, that's the problem is they didn't care about performance. Yeah. So they're right. just staring at design. All right. My grievance, and this is a ridiculous one, but it's a grievance I've had for a while is that I was watching one of the Marvel movies the other night <laughs> and I've recognized that Tony Stark only drives the Audi, uh, R8. And that makes he, me angry. He drive, no, he drives an Acura NSX. Or A8. Yeah, A8. Yeah, he drives he, an A8. There's one that he draws. Does he have an NSX? He has an NSX I get, I get that it's just for money for Marvel and, like, who really cares mm-hmm. what car Tony Stark drives, a fictional character. But he's constantly known as the richest person in that world. And he chooses to drive a $100,000 car, which would normally be fine because we have examples of that all the time. You know, Bill Gates doesn't drive a LaFerrari every day. He, he drives like a Volvo. Yeah. Like it's like, but it's like, it's so specific, the cars that he drives that it's like, so he's like, you can see Marvel thinking like Tony Stark needs to drive really cool cars because he's the richest like playboy on earth. <laughs> but Audi's going to give us money, so we have to put him in the $100,000 car. And but, it, it just pisses me off. But he does, in the Iron Man movies, he does have, like, you do see his garage. They do, okay, and yeah, they do that's occasionally how they, show the other how cars. They, it's how they justify it. And they so crushingly, in the first movie, he falls on a Shelby Cobra, oh, yeah. which makes me die inside. <laughs> but but it's, it just makes me laugh. And that's just, like, you know, a useless grievance. But No, it's good. It's, I, I, I agree. I've it's, it's just an inconsistency in the Marvel movies I can't stand for we might need to uh, next episode we might need to hear what you think he should be driving what in in the in the last three he's iron man he can just be in the iron man Uh, suit yeah that's what tony stark should be driving (laughs) the iron man suit. no he should be driving i think he would be they spent an awful lot of time making it so he can get into that suit faster and faster in every movie he he could just drive that custom cars too i think he would drive a custom one i think he would yeah all right what's your you got yours what you got jeff so I kind of want to go back to electric cars a little bit. Okay. Oh, God. Here we go. And it's that um, it's exciting technology, and we should be talking about it, and we do. Mm -hmm. But there's one major uh, problem that we have not yet addressed. And, Graham, earlier in the show, you mentioned about how people are moving to cities. Mm -hmm. Um, Therefore, people are looking for more efficient, smaller vehicles to get around in. And one thing we haven't really thought about or talked about on the show is that what about all those people that live in downtown Denver that mm-hmm. don't have access to charging stations? Mm-hmm. What is everyone going to run extension just, lines out to their cars parked on the streets? It's, it's just up to the cities to build those charging stations. Well, it, it comes down to this question. Yeah, but do you know no, how many no. thousands of cars park downtown daily? Right. Yeah. It's this question. It's going to be the chicken or the egg. What comes first? Are cities going to start 
thinking about, hey, how are we going to do charging stations? Are we going to start doing like, what's that company called? It's like a Carvana. It's got like the big like things. You can buy cars out of them. But why not build buildings with charging ports? Like there's a new one that you can do uh, that you don't even have to plug it in. You just, it's a... a not a plug-in, but you just run over the pad, just like Tesla's. Tesla's been trying that too. Yeah, wireless charging. Wireless charging. Yeah, thank you. Sorry, brain right there. But like, cities are going to have to start having conversations about how are we going to? Are we going to be the ones that come first, or are people going to buy cars and then I think push towards that? I don't really see cities being ever able to keep up because um, you'd really just have to tear down parking lots and put them up again with. Well, cities always are are, worried about that. I I think it's going to be up to the car manufacturers to find better ways to charge them via solar or other stuff. Or just like cars are just going to have to have better range where it's fine. And you can just plug it in at home. Or do we pray to the engineering gods that they they get a viable hydrogen solution? (laughs) That way we can... Drive around in our cars and brag that oh yeah we've got rocket fuel yeah, in our tank. What do you have? We'll have Electrons. The, Hinden, the Hindenburg of, yeah. of vehicle well, accidents. <laughs> well, and the the good thing about hydrogen is it, it pushes out uh, what's the, the waste is clean water. So and then you can reuse you reuse that to fuel the car itself, which is cool. That that's the next one is like electric. Still, it's still not. It's not clean. It's better. Yeah, it's not clean. It's It's actually, in most cases, dirtier than gas at this point. Uh, Minus oil spills. I don't know if it's. That's debatable. The production of the batteries are so bad for the environment. And they've gotten better, but it's like they're still so bad. I mean, they're not as green as people think, but. We'll debate it another issue yeah. Yeah. or another time. Yeah. But I, I I do agree with you. I think charging is going to be an issue. I think cities are actually going to be moving to more like buses and other things and stupid things. I just want my own little pod so I don't have to deal with people on a, like a transit system. <laughs> you know, like ah, some crazy Maybe people. they don't want to deal with you. That's true. And maybe they shouldn't. Maybe I should be in a pod. <laughs> I'd be the bubble boy. All right. Well, on that note, guys, I think we have to wrap things up for today. I want to give a huge shout out to our community now for uh, giving us the platform to do this. Take time out of our day. I also want to give a huge shout out to uh, Fiat Chrysler because they do from time to time give us cars to test and we appreciate that greatly. And last but not least, Josh. Josh, are you awake? Okay, he's unresponsive. Let's make sure we don't have to go give him medical attention. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much and we'll see you next time. Peace. This has been OCN Drives with Jeffrey Erber. OCN Drives has been brought to you by OurCommunityNow.com. Our Community Now, the website that shows you everything going on in your community right now.